This is the Russian dynamite Masha Slamovich. Becca here. This is not America's sweetheart Davian. It's Billy Starks and the super fly guy Trayvon Jordan. This is the fly side flyer Jalen Brandon. Hardcore princess Jules Malone. Hi there, this is the bubblegum princess Alexia Nicole. This is the Brazilian Wonder Woman Christy Jane. This is the baddest black belt Chennai Kai. This is Kid Bandit. The smash hit Joel Bateman. This is Robin Renegade. Cody Hawk. Brutal Bob Evans. And you are listening to Wrestling With Entertainment, one of my favorite podcasts in the whole wide world. Here, it's Jared Diaz, and you are listening to Wrestling With Entertainment. Hello, 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 and welcome to the show. It's Wrestling With Entertainment, the only audio experience on the rest of the day. The trusted choice for interviewing all your favorite wrestlers, everything to win the aspect sponsored by Rogue Energy and Fail One Coffee. And you're, of course, your host, the DMSJ, alongside Scooter Dust. I'm the reason the rum is always gone. And it's a great day for wrestling, because we are wrestling with the closer. The Suntan Superman, the Bodega Boy, Jared Diaz. Your, what's going on, guys? How we doing? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. How are you, Jared? I'm, I'm spectacular. And uh, where can we see the Bodega Boy? Well, first of all, you can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at the Jared Diaz. You can catch me there anytime. I'm posting constantly. Uh. In terms of appearances, I am at Victory Pro Wrestling in Long Island on May 6th. CZW Limelight, I think 16? CZW Limelight 16 on May 7th out in uh, Havagross, Maryland. On May 20th, I'm at New Age Wrestling in Springfield, Massachusetts. And from the 25th to the 28th, I am in Las Vegas with Future Stars Wrestling, part of Full Tilt 2 Double or nothing weekend for a series of events, a series of appearances that I am extremely excited for. It's my third time going out to Vegas, so I am over the moon about that one, guys. That's awesome. Um, and uh, what can we find merchandise as well? Sorry, say that again? What can we find merchandise as well? Oh, we can find merchandise at fullygimmick.com where my t-shirts live. You can also contact me directly for my newest line of merch. All right. And, uh, which is not yet on Fully Gimmick. And you don't even have to go looking. All of the links to all the social media will be in the description of the video below, both on YouTube and Facebook. See, you have it all figured, you have it all figured out. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, you, now, let's get into it. You work for CCW. Um, one of the bigger promotions on the Indies today. Can you tell us about your relationship with the company and uh, DJ Hyde? Sure. So my initial introduction to CZW as a as a fan was seeing guys like Eddie Kingston or John Moxley to the Adam Coles, MJF, Jason Cades, Mia Yims of the world. A lot of who you see on television today at some point, have gone through CZW. So, as I continued my career as a wrestler, from moving from Florida up to New York during the pandemic, and coming out of there looking to, I guess, establish myself in the Northeast, 
I come across Combat Zone Wrestling hosting a effectively a combine weekend, a tryout weekend, looking for new talent to bring in as the brand goes through, or as the company goes through a sort of rebranding, right? Sort of trying to revitalize what CZW can be. And I go to the combine weekend. I meet DJ Hyde in person. We have a long conversation after I performed very well at the combine. And I'd like to think that I, over the last year, have been a big part of the CZW rebrand. Um, we started running shows at Hob de Grasse in the State Theater down in Maryland, where we maybe had 20-something people at the shows. And the last few have been completely sold out, turning people away at the door. We also have Best of the Best coming up on May 20th, which I'm very excited about, uh, with incredible talent, people like Myron Reed, O'Shea Edwards, Alex Kane coming to the town. Alex Kane, who just won uh, Battle Riot for MLW. Shout out, Alex. Uh, some incredible coming in talent for best of the best. So CCW is looking to be once again, a premier location for premier talent. You, uh, you tried out for CCW in uh, January, right? Yes, that would be uh, late January, 2022. That's crazy. I believe I actually talked to DJ, DJ about that try out when I had him on. <laughs> yeah, so he's, I mean, look, he's he's been in charge of the brand for some time now, and after the pandemic hit a lot of companies hard, he has been a real charge behind growing the company once again, which he should be, because it, it's his baby. Yeah. Alright. Um, Scooter, you have a question. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, you mentioned CTW. I, I, would be remiss if I uh, left out the fact that I would carpool with Larry Legend uh, to not the CCW events, but NYWC events when he was ring announcing, then I took over ring announcing, but I think uh, another part of CCW. And my nephew. Great guy, Larry, great guy, Larry Legend. Oh, absolutely. Great guy. Uh, and uh, my nephew. Happens to work for PPW. Okay. Well, I, I'm sure I'll see him on the 6th. Mm -hmm. uh, if you haven't met him already in your previous PPW experience. Uh, okay. You know, let, let's, let's get into a little personal story. Let's do it. Let's dive in. No, too early for that bit, James. <laughs> How did it feel... To return to your elementary school and compete as a pro wrestler there. Oh man! Well, I've I've been I've been blessed enough to do it twice now. Uh, with we are wrestling uh, initially in the uh, in the in the Welcome to the Bronx Rumble, and then most recently on my birthday, no less, uh, teaming with AEW superstar Sky Blue in a mixed tag team match against Lucas Chase and, and Ruthless Lala. I will tell you that the second time was was even more fulfilling than the first. As, as great as the first felt to really return back to that gym where I spent hours playing as a child, the second time was, was even more special because I, I got to do it on my birthday in front of my friends and family, sharing a ring with people I care about. And, and uh, the ability to wrestle in front of 
the people that you care about in this industry is is very rare. Um, you know, wrestling in New York as a New Yorker has has only gotten harder since the pandemic. So being able to do that in the Bronx in my very own elementary school was definitely um, um, an emotional experience. But then you got to remember too, you that you're there to do your job, you're there to go try and win a match, and you have to compete and perform. And for a little while, you sort of block out the noise and the distractions of all of the sentiment. I was lucky enough to perform well, win that match, and then it all started sinking in that Ooh. what I had just accomplished. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that's an absolutely great feeling. Uh, I do have to say, though, oh, I, you said you're from the Bronx. I think we're going to have to end it here because I'm from Queens. <laughs> that means you and I are natural rivals. Hey, hey, you can have your rivalry <laughs> with me all you want. I... I like Queens. When when the pandemic hit and I moved from from Florida back to New York, I lived in Queens for about a year uh, down in, this, in Astoria, right over the bridge. Uh, I did like Queens, uh, but you know it's it's not the Bronx. I'm sorry to say you don't have to cross the bridge just to get into it. Well, I've got 40, 40, almost forty years here, uh, and I'm almost I mean, kind of almost the center of Queens, I'd say, right by the uh, LIE. In, uh, in in fresh meadows, nobody nobody remember that. Uh, James, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going uh, going back to you know CCW uh, TCW, uh, you wrestled uh, JT Gunn, um, who was of alumni from CCW, um, obviously the owner of Chaotic Wrestling, um, big name on the independents. Can you tell us about that um, that match and that experience? I, I would love to. So, and I was I was just thinking about this the other day because uh, he called, he 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 did play by play commentary or color commentary rather on a match I had at Fight Life about two weeks ago up in Rhode Island, and I met I met JT Dunn I met JT Dunn at an at an XWA event in late 2021, where he was a veteran. He was the main event on the show. And I was wrestling Myron Reed. And this was the first time that I had properly ever named, uh, wrestled in, you know, a name, an indie, indie guy on the independence in my career. And so I remember, you know, talking to JT Dunn a little bit just when I had met him and he just gave me some nice encouragement. Uh, and then I don't see him for about eight months as, as XWA sort of stopped operations shortly after. But I see him in Las Vegas and he remembers me even far better than I, I could remember him. And, and I remember him bringing me over to Sammy Callahan, who, who runs Pro Wrestling Revolver, yeah. and yeah. making sure that I got a chance to meet and speak with him because he, he had nothing but good things to say about me to Sammy right in front of my face. Fast forward another few months, and it's just every time I see JT is, is giving me words of advice, um, throwing down wisdom, giving me feedback on matches and making sure that I was turning out to be as talented as, as, as he thought I could be. So when I get the call to wrestle JT Dunn at Chaotic, which is a place that I love to perform at, but don't do it as often as I could um, or even as I should, I was, I was over the moon and I, was, I, was, I took it right away, right? If, I, if I'm told, hey, you have an opportunity to go wrestle JT Dunn, at chaotic wrestling, I'm going to take it every time. And look, I gave him my best shot. Uh, I would have loved to 
have more time to prepare it. I did only have about two days notice before I went and wrestled JT. So, you know, the opportunity to potentially watch more film and, and prepare for the guy because he is one of the most talented wrestlers in the industry, independent or otherwise. Um, but then after that, even coming out of that match where he paid me respect in the ring and allowed me a moment to just settle into what we had accomplished, since then it's it's only been further encouragement, further preparation and and making sure that he's holding me up to a certain standard to where when I had this match with Lucas Chase and I didn't perform as well as I could have, JT was the first one in the back telling me, hey, this is what you could have done better. This is how you could have performed more proficiently, right? So the opportunity to wrestle JT, exceptional. But coming out of wrestling JT, that relationship becomes even stronger. And um, I do the mystified in three. Um, she was a part of a 2022 list uh, you made earlier this year of, of a list of wrestlers you'd like to wrestle. Um, Correct. If I um, uh, say who's on the list. Please, go for it. J.D. Drake, Rick Swan, Jose Edwards, The Jordan, <laughs> Titus Alexander, Martin Stone, J.T. Dunn, please check that one out. Uh, Danny Limelight, uh, Robert Mardo, Gregor Del Sol, Jordan Oliver, Anthony Green, Juan Bass Jr., Chris Bay. Um, yeah. There's two more, but I can't see them. Yeah, uh, I'm looking right at it. I got you. Flash Waller and Eddie Kingston. There you go. So, a few, so a few of those matches uh can very well happen just next month in Las Vegas. Um right. I know I'm on I know I'm gonna be on shows with with Titus Alexander and Limelight and Martyr and Oliver. These are guys I'm definitely trying to run it up with. Um Rich Swan, O'Shea Edwards, Flip Gordon, these are friends. These are guys that I respect and admire and have been and and, and have and Chris Bay as well, who I who I look up to, ask for advice and want to beat up. So these are all matches that I these are all matches that I really want to have that I look forward to having, even if even if I don't have them in 2023 because there are a lot of names, there are a lot of places, and you can only be in one place at a time. Even if it doesn't happen on 2023, these are names that are going to carry over to next year if I'm not able to wrestle them this year, and they'll remain on those lists until they get signed or retire. Okay, I mean. It's- it's not out of the realm of possibility you can't cross uh, a, a good majority of those names in, in a year. It's entire. It's entirely plausible. It's really just a matter of uh, you know wrestling promoters around the country who are willing to put these matches together. And you know I'll, I'll lobby for them the best I can. And I even you know O'Shea Edwards coming to CZW to be a part of the best of the best. That was a part of something that I was putting together. That's something that. I've been championing as a a friend and admirer of O'Shea's work. Okay. Uh, Scooter, you have a question. Yes. Now, you've... Uh, people know about Full Sail University and its relationship with the WWE, and they know mm-hmm. it just by that alone. But mm-hmm. you actually went to Full Sail University, and you actually graduated with a degree in sportscasting. Uh, can you tell us about what that was like and what made you pursue that? I did, Absolutely. So, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, right? You know about Full Sail because of its relationship with WWE if you're in the wrestling industry. 
right? I'm I am a fan of wrestling. I've always been a fan of wrestling. And when when WWE started running NXT shows at full sale, it it moved to my radar. But I I wasn't just familiar with full sale as a university because of WWE. See, I played football in college. I played football through my life into college, and I was also a fan of football and sports broadcasting as a whole. So the namesake of Full Sail Sports Broadcasting Program is Dan Patrick, a, a legendary sports broadcaster. Uh, I believe he's still running a show on NBC Sports. I'm not entirely sure about that, but he's a, he's a legendary name. It's like saying, hey, this is the Triple H wrestling school, effectively. So I was familiar with the school. I was familiar with the program. And when I knew I was done playing football and I wanted to get my degree, I thought to myself, all right, I want a degree in a certain specific department right a certain specific uh focus but i also am ready to transition to wrestling and i want to work with wwe in some capacity can i make these things work together and i made it all work together i moved down to florida i signed up for the school i got into the school while while i was attending full sale in its initial couple of months I was speaking to my program director pretty frequently about some way for the sports broadcasters to work with WWE. And I kept being told, hey, something's in the works. Just be patient. Something's in the works. Just be patient. And I say, okay, I'll be patient. Right? Check in. I check in. Eventually, I'm told, hey, there's a WWE internship that we're going to be starting up with our broadcasters here. Uh, give us another month. We're going to start interviewing students to be part of the internship. They let me know when the internship interview becomes. Um, I'm the first person interviewed. I'm the first person hired. I get the call that I'm hired for the internship before I even made it back home. So I found a way to make wrestling, broadcasting, and college all work for me. Uh, Following that, I spent the next six months in the Performance Center two to three times a week learning all of the on-camera non-wrestling roles, that being your on-air play-by-play, your commentary, the in-ring announcer, your live event hosts, panel hosts, backstage interviewers, all of the roles that aren't wrestler were the things that I was learning at school and at the internship. And then at that same time, I was learning my wrestling training. I was I was at various wrestling schools training and following my cousin Jason Cade around to basically learn how to be a wrestler. So I was doing it all at once. And then I was also blessed enough to be in the performance center. So I would talk to Byron Saxon, Drew Gulak, Cassius Ono, Adam Cole, Keith Lee about what made them so talented, so good, so uh, successful in their industries. And they were all generous enough to share bits of information, tips for me to get better. So I was lucky enough to, in a six-month period of wrestling school, while six months at the Performance Center, basically learn a year's worth of wrestling, which put me ahead of the game. Oh, and you know, that's I'm going to piggyback off that into this question. Uh, There's a picture on your Instagram of you and now I'm assuming the other interns uh, in the performance center uh, in front of the performance center sign or is that the that's a that's a Tron uh, right. uh, what day was that and are there 
any other faces we would recognize in that photo? So that was the final day of the internship. And what we did on the final day of the internship was basically uh, performing a, a mock and a mock NXT show. So it was called uh, WWE PC Live, where I did the color commentating for the show, acting as a heel commentator. Uh, the main event match was Raul Mendoza, now known as uh, Cruz Del Toro. Del Toro, yes, Cruz Del Toro, versus Adam Cole for the for the WWE PC. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was Ridge Holland versus Austin Theory for the WWE PC Television uh, Championship. So I called commentary on on an Austin Theory match before he made his proper NXT debut, which is a little feather in my cap. Um, but that day, that day was a, was a, effectively a bit of a tryout for all of the interns to do the thing that they did best during the internship and see if it would put them in good, in, in good standing with WWE. Uh, some of the other people that were a part of the internship, and I believe they're in the photo as well. Um, Tom Phillips was very hands-on. He was running the, he was running the broadcast team as a whole at the time. The only one wearing jeans. Yes. Um, well, he wasn't a part of the show, so he was sort of hanging out. Uh, Caleb Braxton and Alicia Taylor were both very hands-on. I know Caleb still does backstage stuff, and Alicia is the in-ring announcer for NXT, and she's fantastic. Uh, Johnny LaQuasto was in the photo as well. He's no longer with WWE, but for a while he was doing main event as play-by-play. He was doing 205 Live as play-by-play with Aiden English as well. Um, there were a lot of hands-on Generous with their time, despite the hectic WWE schedule, uh, staff members, not just as those broadcasters, but the people who would tape our internship sessions, the people who would in uh, ingest that data and send us all the videos so that we can, you know, self feedback. Uh, I cannot say enough good things about WWE during this internship because they did not have to do it; they went out of their way. Uh, in 2019, I believe. Uh... God, was, was was Pat Buck still? Uh, was the Grand NXT? Uh, I believe I believe Buck. He was not with NXT. I believe he was a road agent at the time yeah. already. Yeah. So he was he was more uh, on the road as a producer. But my, my you know my my history coming from initially training at Creative Pro uh, has benefited me in that I already knew Pat Buck. So nowadays when I go to AEW Dark, I'm able to get a little extra feedback from him, which is great. And Pat Buck trained me. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, as, as did uh, Mikey, uh, Alex, John, Reynolds, sure. uh, and and Tony. Who everybody says I'm a fatter Tony, and <laughs> I I believe them. Uh, <laughs> James, let's throw it back to you before yeah. I embarrass myself. I just had a follow up question to do commentary for you know. The PC stuff. Um, sure. You know, what is what? What do you want doing commentary at that high at the highest level? You know, obviously WWE that helps you that helps you in your own career. So I can give you two things, uh, especially from the perspective of a wrestler. One of them being uh, when you are a commentator versus when you are a wrestler. When you're a commentator, you are often just as in the dark as your audience. And if you want something perceived in a specific way, you have to make it very clear so that 
the commentator can now see it and put it over on commentary. So, for example, uh, if I'm the heel in a match and I have a, a sort of subtle cutoff that I do, right, to, to bring the baby face back down to a point where I'm now beating him up, that cutoff needs to be very uh, – it, it can't be so subtle. It needs to be pretty big, very clear, so that not only the audience surrounding the, the ring can see it, but the commentator who's translating all this information to however many people that are watching the broadcast are able to see it as well. That's the first thing. Secondly, and it's a tip that was often reiterated in the, in the performance center, but I, th- I think it initially comes from Scott Hall, and it's the less you do in the ring, the more commentary has to talk about you. Right, so instead of just calling moves, instead of those commentators calling moves, they're now talking about the character, the persona that is in that ring. Those are a couple of things that that I took from commentary that I'm able to establish uh, as a competitor. But I, yeah, considering right, uh, James and I, uh, I I started a a alternate commentary podcast. A number of years ago, you know, to give the fans an alternate means if they didn't want to hear, you know, the WWE. Sure. And uh, and then a number of years later, uh, Jay, I was lucky enough to have James come in, and well, right now, right now it's in hiatus. But I think after listening to that, I, I think that's a. Uh, I think uh, I think the hiatus is ending. <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, it's it's a great note because ultimately the commentator's job is to put over the stars in the ring. The commentator's job is to highlight the action. So anything that, that you can do in the ring to make their job easier ultimately just makes you look better oh, yeah. as a wrestler. Oh, yeah. Um, now, let me answer one other um, question. Um, you work in Germany. Um, you know, obviously a very different culture over there. Um, what was that experience like? Oh, my, my German my German uh, experience was amazing. I was able to work with WXW, which is probably the most respected uh, promotion in Europe. Um, it was it was it was it was an outstanding experience from working with the people who are you know who are running it, the actual staff. To, to performing for those German fans and, and European fans in general. People did travel in from Hungary, from England, from Italy, from Spain, all to Germany for that weekend. Uh, I, was a part of, I was a part of the uh, Super Tag League weekend, I believe it's called, and I wrestled on the We Love Wrestling show. But the day before I wrestled, I went to the Tag League show, and <clears throat> the fans who not only were excited just to have wrestling and to have American wrestlers there, but were so excited, in fact, that they already had pre-made baseball cards and T-shirts and posters for the American wrestlers like myself, Steve Pena, Jaden Newman, O'Shea Edwards, to sign. They were there just as excited for their local talent as they were for the people who had flown to the other side of the world, who, in, in, you know, in my humble experience... People locally don't appreciate American wrestlers as much as these German fans did. So that was exceptional. Uh, Again, working with WXW and being a part of their show, being able to be featured on Peacock because of the WWE's deal with with WXW, 
is is breathtaking and just overall being able to immerse myself in, in a different culture where sponsors and fans are, are buying you drinks, buying you dinners, uh, hotel taken care of just because they really appreciate people putting their bodies on the line. And I don't know if that's shared here. That's that I would say that's the biggest cultural difference between wrestling in Germany or elsewhere versus wrestling in the States is just the appreciation that they have for superstars, for wrestlers putting at risk what they do. They were, yes, yes. Sponsors, fans were graciously buying us drinks and dinner. Okay, so what are you eating in Germany? <laughs> I I had some I had some some schnitzel. No, I had bratwurst, which is which is Sweet. exceptional. I had I'd had schnitzel when I went to Vienna, but this was before I was wrestling full time. This was just no Vienna sausage. Huh? No Vienna sausage. I I well, it's basically that. It's <laughs> um, which is good. But no, I had I had some bratwurst with some mashed potatoes and a couple of a couple of drinks. It was it was a great night. And you know, when you're sharing con- you're sharing company with you know the people I mentioned before, as well as like. Ava Everett and Masha Slamovich and and Oni Lorcan and uh, Killian Dane, they're, they're it was it was probably my most fulfilling trip I've ever taken in wrestling. Does uh, German beer fit different than American beer? I do not know. I do not drink beer. Ooh, okay. uh, I had vodka. I had <laughs> vodka in Germany, and that was nice. Um, but I don't know if it was German vodka. It was just it was vodka, and I drank it. Um, and I'm, I'm not a big drinker. I don't typically drink often. But when when there are fans out here who are again very graciously treating you, it's very rude to say no, guys. No, I, I completely understand that. And, and of course, we're talking <laughs> about vodka, then you probably have to go do it for a Russia <laughs> to compare. Yeah. If, if there's some Russian wrestling, I wouldn't. I would not say no. You would have to ask Masha about that. She would probably know. She would. She would definitely know. I should. I should get her ear next time I see her. Um, but the match you did have um in um Germany was against uh Eli Isa. Um, you know, obviously a guy from uh you know Tano and uh a man like in a tri- triple threat. Um, what was yes, dude. So talented. Those guys are so talented. I mean, Eli Isom, he's wrestled. I know he's wrestled with AEW Dark. I know he's wrestled with Ring of Honor. But man, like Jerese, oh my God, man, like Jerese is talented. He's charismatic. He gets the people going. You know, the the crowd with the O one two ones out there in Britain. He wrestles for Progress. He wrestles for uh, various companies out there in in the UK and in, in in other countries in Europe as well. There there uh, there are not enough good things that I can say about those two guys as well. Like being able to come to a different country. And do what I do best, and collaborate with those two guys, and make friends along the way. Like next time I go to UK, I know I'm gonna hit him up. Uh, and and it goes both ways too. Like when when he comes to the United States, he's gonna be able to hit me up anytime. Uh, I know Simon Miller from What Culture came to a Battle Club show and wrestled oh Battle Club show out here in Brooklyn. Uh-uh. Guess what? Now he's a homie. So <laughs> so if I'm in the UK and I text Simon Miller, he's gonna hit me back. That's part of. One of my favorite things in wrestling, which is just collaborating with people, meeting new people, forging these relationships that are are very hard to build in in, in any other industry. <clears throat> Hello. 
This is Simon from Mutt Culture, and this is a list of our ten favorite guests. Why? He's why. That's my guy. Simon. <laughs> why? It's funny. I, I went up to him. I went up to him, and he was having a conversation, and I, I go, Simon, I'm sorry to interrupt, man, because he was, he was with his little documentary team for his blog. And I go to I go to Simon and I'm listen, man. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I got to tell you something. Nobody else is going to tell you that I will. And he got worried. He was like, "Oh, I thought you're going to tell me to fuck off or something." I'm like, "No, no, no, Simon, listen, man. Um, I watch your content. Everybody else watches your content. We're all fans of wrestling, and I I, I appreciate you being here." And that was it. I was just real nice to the guy. It lowered his guard, and we are just homies now. But he really <laughs> thought he really thought I was there to go uh, be rude to him, which which made me laugh because he's a he's a kind he's a kind guy. Everybody has seen a what culture video at this point. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Everybody in wrestling at some point has wa- has watched a Simon Miller wrestling video. Right. I am. Hey. Um. You have a question. Yes. Yeah. Now, I'm gonna I'm wanna go back to your Instagram for a second because Please. we do our research here, and we go, we go through it. Hell yeah! Believe it or not, you know only the FBI has better uh, you know, <laughs> skills than us. And yeah, I believe uh, it. <laughs> the first picture you ever posted on Instagram, at least as far as the Instagram I saw, sure, is a picture of you and your mother in a wedding dress. Uh, you and a talk to your mother in a wedding dress. Sure. Um. Uh, I, I would love, and I'm sure our listeners would love to hear the uh, the story about that. And I'm I'm curious of why is that the first picture? Um, I will say that's not the, like the first picture I've ever put up or anything. There are older older posts that I've archived that that didn't have track either mm. either didn't have traction because I was still in high school or something, or they were part of my football background, which I don't uh, post about as much. But oh. that picture, that's a nice picture of me and my mom. Uh, she was getting she was getting remarried, and I, I was the one who brought her down the aisle, so we did a little photo shoot beforehand. That's really it. But lovely lady. I was just on the phone with her before I got uh, on FaceTime with you guys. Uh, excuse me, on the podcast with you guys. I was on FaceTime with my mom. And um, she's she's been super supportive of, of me and my wrestling and stuff as – as nervous as she gets when I go and do dumb things and big spots and jumping off of ladders, doing backflips and all that crazy stuff. She's, she's been very supportive of it. So that's, that's my mom. That's my lady. Ah, that's, I, 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 I love that. Especially as somebody whose uh, uh, mother is um, learning to, uh, not learning, but trying to get the strength back in her legs after, uh, an almost uh, near death uh, incident. So, poor man. Yeah. Hey, best of recovery. Uh, let's let's lighten the mood a little bit, shall sure. we? Can you tell us about taking the speedball challenge? I can tell you about winning the speedball challenge because that <laughs> because that that was a hell of a an experience. And and you know, com- just coming off this conversation about Germany. That was the second time I met Mike Mike Bailey. Speedball, uh, you know, I talk about the Vegas trip I took last year where me and JT Dunn really connected. But Vegas is where I met Speedball. And I had had a couple sp- Twitter interactions with him because he's very active on Twitter beforehand. Um, but when I got a chance to meet him and he had been talking about New York, I was like, hey, man, like, 
when you are in New York, like I'll show you around now. I'll, I'll send you a couple of pizza locations to go with or something like that, right? Because he's a, he's a nice guy and he happens to be one of the best wrestlers in the goddamn world. So I meet Speedball, I chat him up a little bit. Fast forward to Germany and he's there and he's main eventing the show. To speak to the kindness of Mike, of Mike Bailey, and I'm sure plenty of people have, I won't be the first and I damn sure won't be the last. When I got to the back after my triple threat, with a uh, man like Jarius and with Isom, Speedball was there at the monitor watching every single match. And he took about 20 minutes between intermission and his main event match to give us all feedback. He doesn't have to do that, right? He's not a promoter on the show. He's not an old guy who's just watching. He has his own matches and other you know, content and things to worry about. But he took the time. So as much as I really appreciated it, I, I made sure I let him know that, and we talked a little bit. And Speedball, just like JT Dunn, who is a guy that will champion me best he can and make sure that I am holding up my end of the bargain. So when I see Pro Wrestling Revolver, who, again, is owned by Sammy Callahan, uh, when I see Pro Wrestling Revolver posting about the Speedball Challenge, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity for me to try and talk my way into a match. Now, I don't know if you guys can tell by now because we've been talking for a little while, but talking is a thing I'm very comfortable with. It's something I, I would even fancy myself pretty good at. So when I say to myself, you know what? I don't need to send the clip. I don't need to try to politic my way into a show. I'll just talk. And I know speedball, so I can actually say something. Like I actually have something to say here and make this a little bit personal. I was one of dozens, maybe even upwards of 100 people to try and reach out. So I reached out. I, I sent in my promo about, hey, Speedball, you've been really good to me. You've, uh, you've helped me get better, and now I want to show you how much better I've gotten. And he responded with a quote tweet about a pair of eyes, and that was it. And I took that a little offensively. Now, in retrospect, I, having spoken with him, he basically said, hey, I can't respond to everybody. There's going to be a lot of people. And I said, you know what, that's fair. But in the moment, I took it a little offensively. So I, I waited a little while, and I saw I waited to see if he would respond or if Pro Wrestling Revolver would spawn, and they didn't. Nobody did. So I said, you know what, I'm not going to sit on my hands and wait for somebody to out-talk me. I'm going to talk again. So I cut another promo, a follow-up, asking why he didn't respond. Maybe he was worried. Maybe he was worried he made me too good. Maybe he'd be a little afraid of what Jared Diaz had become. I called him out. I asked him, I said, why would you Why would you play games with me? Why would you not respond to me? Is that what you think of me, that you can just leave me on red? So I cut that promo, I sent it in, and lo and behold, Sammy Callahan messages me on Twitter two days before the show and says, hey, Diaz, we're going with you for the Revolver Speedball Challenge. How quickly can you get yourself to Dayton, Ohio? And I said, I will be there at the show. Don't you worry about that. I got myself to Dayton, Ohio, and I had the match. Having the match, coming out of the match, was an experience because Speedball does not play, man. That dude kicks like I've never been kicked before. Uh, definitely had to work up to his level, but I held my own. I made sure that Sammy Callahan knew who I was afterwards, and I earned some respect from everybody that day. Oh, incredible. <laughs> that's, 
That's a great story. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Look, guys, absolutely. nothing's going to happen for you in this life if you don't try and make it happen for yourself. You know, I, I, I wanted to go work with WWE, so I moved to Florida. I wanted to wrestle speedball, so I kept calling him out on Twitter. That's really all it is. For me, for me, in my life, it is just a series of stories where I wanted something, and then I just figured out a way to make it happen. And that is combinations, strokes of luck, which uh, are out of my hands, but also action that is always in my hands. So what you're saying is, hopefully, my on Mike Bailey, I could get him on from interview. I'm saying if you cut a promo on Mike Bailey, he'll see it, and that's the best you can hope for. Everything else after that, I don't know. But if you talk to him, he'll see it. Yeah, he's very active on Twitter. Call him out if you want. Just don't be surprised. Just don't be surprised if he kicks you in the chest. If I get the interview, he could kick me anywhere he wants. <laughs> that gives me hope for my Twitter feud with Corey Graves. And by Twitter feud, I mean I mention him and I get no response whatsoever. So it's all in my head. Uh, <laughs> I can't. I can't speak to uh, Graves' ability to respond on Twitter. I don't know the guy. But if you're looking for an answer from Mike Speedball Bailey, just keep hitting him up and see what happens. Oh, all right, Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, Jorah is very much on the radar for AEW. Like, he's he's had plenty of showcases. He's worked with guys like Matt Hardy. He's He works with Rohit on the regular, who is also one of the guys that AEW has tagged as one of their independent people. Um, the platform of AEW Dark as a whole, it it makes you be at your best, right? This is a show that's watched by hundreds of thousands of people every week. And these opportunities on AEW Dark, they don't come easy. Um, as many independent wrestlers as you may see, they really do not come easy. So it means a lot to me every time I get to go do something on AEW, uh, whether that be having a match against George Joel or running down the ramp to get dropped by Jade Cargill. Whatever it is, I'm game because I ultimately, I ultimately understand in this industry that out of sight, out of mind. So the the more they bring me in, the more I understand that they really do know who I am to some degree. Uh, not to not to toot my own horn. I'm still losing on dark, but they know who I am. So any opportunity like that is big. An opportunity to wrestle to wrestle Jorah in a singles match where the guy knows that hey, I'm just I'm just a dog trying to get mine too. It's great because it's an opportunity to raise each other up. And although I'm considered the enhancement talent in that match, he understands like, Hey, I did fly down for this. It is a few minutes and I want 
to make it the best that I can be. So those opportunities are great. Jorah's fantastic to work with. Strong motherfucker, though. Dude will, you know, he, he, he's thrown me around a number of times now. So I, I don't love mixing it up with uh, guys that throw me around. I, I got to be honest. And uh, Max was uh, at uh, the Universal Studios. I believe that's where they used to record the old TNA games. Uh, Correct. So you should see how the fans go nuts when a guy like Christopher Daniels hits the curtain. Right. So, I mean, I'm a buildings guy, and I feel like that one is super underrated for how much great wrestling was in it. Um, does it is there any, like, you know... Moment where you're like, wow, I'm at for the UCTCNA. You know, I as much as I was a wrestling fan growing up, I wasn't a big TNA fan. So even though I was, you know, I would see TNA, and I was, I was a big fan of AJ Styles, uh, Samoa Joe. <laughs> I would laugh my ass off when Shark Boy or Curry Man were on my TV, right? But I, but I also was a kid. You know, I wasn't um, super into TNA. I didn't really grasp. Uh, where it was or like have a major fandom for the company looking back i i do realize like it does hold some weight that i've been able to wrestle there in, 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 on a number of occasions um i guess it's it's more a reverence for the company i'm wrestling for now and you also worked uh center of states another um you know, building a lot of history. Um, does that does it does that mean you know companies need to work in another legendary building in pro wrestling? You know, I think I think that one set in a little bit better just because you know, the 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 legacy of WCW has been preached for so many years now that even though I didn't watch WCW when I was a little kid because it just it didn't exist by the time I was six years old, right? But having gone back and been able to watch WCW stuff, and again, it's history, it's legacy being preached over so many years, that definitely set in a little bit more with me. As as somebody who, I only wrestled there once, I would love to wrestle there again, but promotions don't really work there as frequently. Um, but that, that building, that building, you could feel that energy in there. All right. Uh, Scooter, you have a question. Yes, now... Uh, time to talk about your favorite item to get at the bodega. What is sure. your what is your favorite Arizona flavor? Oh, the basic one, the lemon iced tea that I walked down to the ring with, the very same that I based my most recent pair of trunks on. That is my jam. I will say that uh, I have a very specific bodega routine. I hit the bodega almost every day um, because I. I really live – it's not a gimmick. I really live in the Bronx. I really shop at bodegas a lot. And when I do, it's typically uh, egg and cheese on a roll, salt, pepper, ketchup, no bacon. I don't eat bacon. Um, but the egg and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup on a roll. I go for the Arizona. I'll either grab a, a, a banana or some Pop-Tarts just for a little extra sugar, typically the banana. Um, and then I walk my silly ass back home because that's how I like to start my day. <laughs> I grew up on Arizona iced tea, so so it's, much it's so my, it's my fuel. It's my fuel. I literally live off the thing. So much so that I I was having it back when it was still in boxes. 
Huh. Yeah. You, you used to get it in a, like a juice box. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I never had it that way. Uh, my, yeah. my typical, my typical is the 99 cent can. Mm. Occasionally, occasionally I'll go for the bottle, but I know they did just price it up to 125. That's probably my fault, but it's all right. <laughs> and <laughs> every once in a while, every once in a while, I'll see the gallon at like at a supermarket or at a gas station, depending on where I'm at. Sometimes I'll bring an Arizona gallon back home. That's my. It really is my favorite beverage. It's my best. And I'm Does sure you don't. That you drink or if it's not No, no, no. Like I'm not a crazy person. I'll drink other drinks. No, I but mean other tea. My primary. Oh yeah, I'll drink. I'll drink like a Brisk or a Nestle. But I prefer, or I'll I'll even drink a Peace Tea if I have to. But personally, not a big fan. But I'm always searching out the Arizona. If I hit a gas station on a show day and there's no Arizona, I'll hit another gas station. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. my bev. Yeah. Uh, especially, especially if it's a show day because I gotta go to the ring with one, which means I gotta pick up at least one on the day. Right, and you can't come out to what another type of tea that's off brand. No, I'll come out to different flavors of Arizona, but I won't come out to a. Uh, a, a peace tea. I won't do it. Right. I refuse. I'd rather come out with nothing, or or a honey bun, or something else you can find in a bodega. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've uh, learned the, uh, the the CVS exploit when they have Arizona Tall Boys on sale. When it's when it's three for two dollars and twenty two cents, and each one you buy after that is basically free. Yeah. Um. Here's an interesting question, which is probably going to get have a very simple answer. Arizona is now uh, entering into the, or they are already already in the alcoholic beverage market. So now, any chance you may accidentally grab one and end up giving it to, let let let's say uh. Let's say, let's say stunt granny in the front row. I mean, I, ideally not. Look, I, I try not to uh, give my bevs away. It is rare. Uh, for example, when I first wrestled in, in St. Helena's in the Bronx for the first time, I did pick up a few extra Arizonas to give them up. I think, I, I think I'd know the difference if I were handing out alcoholic beverages versus regular iced teas. I would hope I know the difference. Well, but, in the event that I pick up Arizonas that are the, the hard way, I'll make sure not to give them out. I'll just take them home and drink them at my own pleasure. It, uh, I will say this. They do look identical. Well, then I'm prepared to get myself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, yeah. All right, James. Uh, I I wish I could. I didn't hear any of the description. Okay. If you wouldn't mind repeating. Yeah. Uh, just because you were getting a little bit scratchy there. Could you tell us a, a road story that is crazy, good, bizarre, or funny? Road story. Road story. Um, let me see if I got one in the can ready to 
ready to roll road story. Oh, you know what? I do. I do. So I was living in New York. Sorry. I was living in Florida, but I was still wrestling in New York. Let me rephrase. I got distracted. I was living and wrestling in Florida. My vehicle was still registered in New York. Why? Because I was a college student. So I get a uh, an email from the DMV in New York saying, hey, you've got to re- get your car reinspected. It's been a year and you need inspection on your car. I say, sure, no problem. I bring, I bring it to a, an auto zone. I get it inspected. I send the paperwork over. New York State says, hey, that doesn't count. You got to get it done in New York. I say, cool. How long do I have to do this? They said, two days. And I said, awesome. So I then got in the car at approximately 6 a.m. on a Monday, drove 21 straight hours outside of gas stops straight to New York, made it home by about 6 p.m., you consider the time of stoppages and some traffic in New Jersey. Made it home, went to sleep. Woke up the next morning at 7 a.m. That's a Tuesday. Got my car inspected. That took a while because there were other people there. By the time I left New York, it was about 11. I then turned directly back down to Florida. Drove all the way down to Orlando, another 20 hours or so. Took a brief nap in Orlando before hopping in a car with some buddies of mine. Drove from Orlando to Tampa. That's another two hours. Wrestled two matches. They were both awful. I was dying. Uh, I almost crashed in Georgia, by the way. Got pulled over. That wasn't fun. Um, Made it back to Orlando the next night. Sorry, the next morning. And went to class at 7 a.m. on a Thursday. So... From Monday to Thursday morning, I drove over 42 hours. I would say like 46 or 47 hours total. Had two matches and nearly died. That <laughs> After accomplishing that, after accomplishing that, gentlemen, I realized I can do anything. Because I, I should not have made it. <laughs> that is, uh, I took my hat to you. That is definitely impressive. I don't think I would be able to go that long. I, I shouldn't have either, but I had to, had to handle business. I had to get my car inspected. I don't cancel shows if I can help it, so I made it work. That is awesome. Um, another mm-hmm. incredibly awesome thing you did was train with Katsuri Shibata. Um, can you tell us about you know training with one of the all-time greats? Oh my God! So training with training with Shibata was exceptional. I mean, so so for the full disclosure of the LA Dojo, the way that it was working at the time, um, it was Carl Fredericks who recently debuted with NXT with WWE. Yep, uh, Eddie Thorpe. Thorpe, I believe, is the name. Yep, Eddie Thorpe. Yep, uh, Clark Connors, and and Hiroshi Goto was guest training there as he was uh, about to get back in the ring with New Japan. Okay. So. The three of them were very hands-on, while Shibata oversaw everything. When I tell you he oversaw everything, I mean he did not take a moment to do anything but watch us work. And four days at the New Japan LA Dojo were the four hardest days in my entire wrestling career over the last four and a half years. They, I, th- I think they were trying to kill us. I th- they were probably trying to kill us. Um, 
if not just intense torture. Uh, they put us through some of the some of the workouts that that, that they themselves were, were going through as as dojo young boys, young lions, preferably. And it was it was intense. It was intense. But I also, you know, I met some really good people, some some people that I ended up linking up with and, and you know, I was able to stay in touch with with Connors and, and Eddie Thorpe as well. But Shibata, man, Shibata, he just has this looming presence. Like, you know, he's a nice guy, but he's very quiet. Obviously, there is a bit of a language barrier, but he did speak enough English to be able to help help us get better. And, and that was really the main goal for him was just to get us all better in a few days. And, you know, they did change how I do some things. They, they, they cleaned up my rope running. They cleaned up how I was taking judo bumps. Like, it's, it's a very intense week with those guys, but – you know, an experience that I would not change for the world. And it was also the first time I went to LA for a wrestling purpose. So it was definitely uh, a little bit of a level up. It was a little bit of an evolution for me because of what it turned out to be afterwards. Was you able to speak with him one-on-one or was it always just uh, him uh, talking to the whole staff? Um, only briefly, only briefly with Shibata, I was, you know, I just got a chance to thank him, um, for having me and, and, and for taking the time to teach us as best he could. And you know, he was very gracious. He was, he was humbled throughout, you know, with, with as many people that were there to get better and, and thanking him throughout the, uh, the camp, you know, it, it, this is a guy who many of us, most of us thought he would never wrestle again. Oh yeah. Or, or really be able to even be active in, in the industry again. So just taking the time to work with us, let alone teach us as much as he did, was, was incredible. Uh, are we moving on to the colossal question? All right. Let's say... They are making a movie about Jared Diaz's wrestling career. A blockbuster. A huge studio is going to make a movie about your wrestling career. Every blockbuster movie has a blockbuster soundtrack to go with it. What would be three to five songs that appear on the Jared Diaz soundtrack the wrestling career movie soundtrack. There we go. That's a great question. I like that question. You know, I was expecting the who should play you in a movie question. I'll be honest with you guys. And I would have just said me. Like, I don't know if you've seen Rocky, but he wrote and starred in his, his own damn thing. So it would have been me. But I like this question better. I really do. Um, who would be on this? Who would be on it? Or what songs? It's a great question. Who would be on it? What's What type of songs? Um, you know, I think that the song that has gotten me through so many workouts in this lifetime, not even just in wrestling, in this lifetime, uh, is Till I Collapse by Eminem. That is just, what a banger. What a banger that dude put out in 0506. Like, Till I Collapse is definitely on it. Right. Um, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to have some Childish Gambino on it. I think his vibe is, is very relatable. It's very, like, down to earth when you come down to some of his later albums. Um, I, th- I think of, like, Redbone, for an example. Even if, like... You know the, the the movie was init- the song was initially used in Get Out, which is a horror movie. But like that song is so chill. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think I'd 
I'd be less about specific tracks, more about artists. Like if I have my ability to put a, a compilation album together for my movie, man, Lin Manuel Miranda's got to be on it. Mm. The dude, the dude from the Heights, who is Puerto Rican like myself, and like the ability, the songwriting and rapping ability that that guy has is on another level. Anthony Ramos, I actually was going to ask you, is, has anyone ever mistaken you for Anthony Ramos? <laughs> I I wish, man. The guy's crazy, <laughs> crazy talented. No, I haven't like I haven't been t- I haven't been told I look like him, but I have genuinely been told that we have a similar vibe. And I I take that as a compliment because he's yeah. got a good vibe. Right? When you see like in the heights, you buy him, you believe him as a star of a film. Especially about you know, Puerto Rican immigrants and people in New York City, in the Heights, like in Washington Heights. So I, I vibe with that, right? Let's you know, keep it to the music as best I can. I gotta have Eminem. I gotta have Gambino. I gotta have Lee Manuel Miranda. I'm just a I'm just a hip hop head till I die. And those are those are three of my those are three of my people. And those are three solid picks there for you. All right, uh, part two. James, you going in and out? Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, no problem. Alright, those are three solid picks. Um, Scooter, part two. Alright, so you caught us. Now we're asking you, who would play Jerry? Wait, wait. Come on, man. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. (laughs) Who would play Jared Diaz in the Jared Diaz wrestling career movie, and and we have this rule established for everybody, and you cannot say yourself because oh you are obliged to make a Stanley esque cameo. Okay, so I have to be in the movie, but I cannot play myself. Exactly. That assumes that assumes that I can pick anybody be in this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, then it's not going to be a very fun pick, but I'm all about bringing minds with me. So if there was a blockbuster movie starring me, I would have to have my cousin Sam DeLeon, who is a very talented local actor, playing me. He's my cousin. I need us all to eat. That is always how I've seen success in this world is that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. So I'm bringing minds with me. So my cousin Sam DeLeon would play me in the movie. I absolutely love that choice. Um, Thank you. It's not very fun, you know. No aliases out here, but listen, I, I do what I can for mine. But that does beg the question: Every movie has a supporting cast. Who would be three people in your movie, and who would play them? Oh, see, here's where you get to stack up the crowd, right? So, like, because my my character is being played by effectively a no-name in the industry now i get big a-listers to stack up the supporting cast right so my dad's getting played by the rock obviously awesome. <laughs> I, listen, I don't know if you guys saw my dad on my instagram he's about five eight but he is black bald and jacked so the rock is gonna play my dad um, <laughs> and uh, to that to that same token to that same token my mom salma hayek hispanic lady Hispanic lady looks younger than she is. Salma Hayek's gonna play my mom, and or or J Lo, one of them too, is gonna play my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say 
if I needed somebody else in the movie to be in a supporting role, probably my sister. I would, I would, I would make sure my sister was portrayed in the film. And because The Rock and Salma Hayek are playing my parents, evidently, um, Zendaya could be my sister, and that's fine. She's young enough to pull it off. <laughs> It's a star-studded movie, right? You got to bring all the big names in for the no-name actor playing the star. Oh, yeah, and you could pre-order the tickets now. <laughs> From where? <laughs> we will uh, start a, a page. Sure, yeah. we'll do, we'll start a GoFundMe. We'll start a Kickstarter for my movie. There you go. Hey, um, is there any significance? your Superman tattoo. There is significance to my, my Superman tattoo. Um, so my dad has the same tattoo. He got it when I was about eight or nine years old. And he has it on the back of his neck. So when I was coming out of high school and I wanted to get a tattoo and I'd wanted one for a couple years, my dad always told me like, hey, when you're ready, when you really decide what you want, I'll take you to get it. No problem. All right, my dad has a bunch of tattoos himself. So I had these ideas. Ideas, but nothing was really sticking, nothing I was really committing to. And then, when I was again, when I was coming out of high school, my dad got this, like, major neck surgery that, you know, uh, they said, doctor said, hey, you know, he may not ever fully recover from this. We're looking at, like, a 60% chance full recovery. There's a very good chance that this man will not be the same after this. When I tell you that my dad, three months later, was in the gym running his business as he normally was, Remarkable, incredible recovery, right? So when that happened, when he got this neck surgery done, I got the matching tattoo on my chest. That is an incredible story. I I love the story. I love the story. I love the tattoo. But without the story, the tattoo just comes off tacky. It comes off cheesy. And I get that because I hear it far more often than I probably should. But I don't really brush... I brush it off. Like, it doesn't really bother me because I know the story. Anybody, anybody who asks, I'm happy to tell them. But you gotta ask for it. And that's why I ask. <laughs> oh. Thank you. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> and now people know. Alright. Um, can you tell us about inner thoughts during a match? Inner thoughts during a match. Are you referring to the the reel, the TikTok that I made, or are you yeah. actually actually asking me about my thoughts about my matches? No, the TikTok. Okay, so yeah, so I mean, it was just a trend that was that was that was happening on TikTok that I hopped on, where it's like my inner thoughts doing whatever activity, and it was more subtle stuff like oh, my inner thoughts while I'm on a train, or my inner thoughts while I'm doing my makeup, and that's all cool, that's all fine, right? But you know, I'm watching these things, and I'm like, you know, I have a lot of thoughts like I genuinely have a lot of thoughts while I wrestle and so let me watch this match back and just try to reflect to the best of my ability what am I thinking during these matches right and sometimes it's about spots or moments but often I'm very I'm very much living in that moment because uh what we do in the ring or what we've what we've discussed in the ring I don't know how much we're peeling the curtain back here but like I've committed it to memory I'm very comfortable doing the things that we do in terms of like the physicality so I get to almost sit comfortably or comfortably 
in my thoughts while I wrestle. So I can think about like, oh, this is about to hurt or, oh, that was a cool move. Like, I'm going to learn that when I get out of here or I'm going to ask him about this thing or like, uh, oh, this hurts. Ah, ow, ow. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm still a human being even though I'm a performer. So like, these are every, every single thought that I had that I wrote down on that TikTok, very real thoughts that I've, that I've had multiple times while I wrestle. So you thought, why am I running? <laughs> yeah, because you know what? Sometimes, sometimes there are, there are things in wrestling that are just a little silly. They, there are. They really are. And hitting the ropes, as intense as they can be or as effective as they can be, sometimes when you're just running in the ring, it's a little dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's not lost on me, even though I do it every week. <laughs> I don't know why that that. That spot just made me laugh so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's honestly that's the intention, right? Is to to bring a little bit of levity, bring a little bit of humor to what I do because, I effectively we're getting half naked and fake fighting for money in front of a few people. It's it's, it's a silly job, it's a silly job that I have here, and I love it and I take it seriously when it needs to be taken seriously. But you know we're not changing lives. Here we're not lives are lives are not being saved in the ring. We're not doctors. We're not you know, police officers or lawyers. It's not effectively super high stakes. So let's have some fun with it. No. Hey, if I learned anything with football wrestling, it's that you never know who's watching or how you touch somebody with what you do. Um, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm I'm in, a, and I think every wrestler to some degree is an example of that. Oh, definitely for sure. Oh, now, uh, thanks being 2020. Uh, since you have let Alex Kane during the show. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Alex Kane is incredibly talented, and the next time I see him, I will tell him how much we regret it. Uh, <laughs> now, so, so the Rapture was an interesting group because we truly were three best friends, and we're doing everything together, and... No, Lexi was also very, very close with us, even though, you know, she, at, on her own time, decided to leave the group. The three of us guys, you know, Jay, Rich, and I have been incredibly close for the entirety of my time in wrestling. These are three guys that I started training with shortly after they had been wrestling and training together. So, like, to be welcomed into that group was very special to forge friendships, genuine lifelong friendships with these guys. It's something that I'm ever grateful for. So it is difficult to bring on a new member. And, and I think that showed in our later time in the Rapture where we brought on a manager. We brought on DeMarcus Cutler. Like in our time with ACW, there were a lot of other pieces that started to move with the Rapture. But ultimately, Alex Kane, incredibly talented. I'm so proud of him. He's doing nothing but great things. He probably should have been let in. That's on me. I'll take the L for that. I was the one saying no to people. That's my bad. <laughs> now that's a deep cut, by the way. Good, good research there, guys. I wish I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. All right. Um, onto a controversial subject. Pineapple on pizza. Disgusting, horrific, uh, inhumane, and 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 a crime against humanity. Uh, and I won't have it as best I can help it. I will not allow it. 
I know, super, super strong take. But if I see anybody eating pizza with pineapple on it, I will slap it out of their hands with no hesitation. You could be a perfect stranger to me. I don't. You could be a perfect stranger to me. I do not care. I will slap pineapple pizza right out your hand and onto the floor and shame you for eating it because it doesn't belong. It never belongs. Wow, that's a waste. <laughs> I said what I said, guys. <laughs> um, what's your spirit Pokemon? My spirit Pokemon? Um, it's a look. It's a super basic question, and the uh, sorry, super basic answer, and the reason being is because I wasn't a huge Pokemon fan, but I do have a Pikachu pillow and a Pikachu Funko Pop, um, and the best video game movie currently out at least until I see the Mario movie, is Detective Pikachu. So, yeah, Pikachu, that's my guy. Uh, I also didn't – I wasn't allowed to play the uh, the Pokemon games when I was a kid, so I, I didn't really get into it as much as I would like have to. You wasn't allowed to? I was not allowed to. I, I had a Game Boy, um, but it was often kept from me to make sure I did my homework because I was the kid who didn't do their homework. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was self-inflicted. Self-inflicted punishment. And the Detective Pikachu is super underrated movie, honestly. It, it's solid. Look, video game movies have been real hard uh, to, to execute. Um, I think Sonic was cool, too. Uh, I was one of few that, like, didn't hate Assassin's Creed, but no, I haven't seen Mario. <laughs> I haven't seen Mario yet, so until then, Detective Pikachu is the best video game movie out. And, That's my uh, opinion. Of course, uh, we love the late great Tracy Smothers on the show. Um, do you know the acronym for Thug? T H U G. The acronym for Thug? I I can't say I do. <clears throat> T is for terrible. H is for hell. U is for ugly, and G. Is for jail because a thug can't spell. <laughs> <laughs> that is dumb. I like it. We absolutely love the late great Tracy Smothers trying to keep the memory alive. Hey, shout out to you. I I like the thug bit. I think you should do it every podcast. We do. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. Love Tracy trying to again. Keep the memory alive on the show. Um, you know, if you did sure, I actually I have I have the book. If you don't buy this every if you don't buy this book, everybody dies. I have it sitting on my shelf. I I have not read it yet. I'm 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 just finishing the Mox book. Uh and then I have I have Trevor Noah's book to read after that. But then I'm gonna be reading Tracy Smothers' book. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of great gems of uh, wrestling knowledge in it for sure. Oh, I'm 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 sure there are. I can't wait to read it. I've already I've already been able to really uh, dive into Mox's book. So Tracy's mother's I'm sure will be fantastic as well. And uh, the weirdest question you ever be asked on a wrestling interview, hopefully, would you ever consider wrestling a rap? Not playing Johnson, not the country. Would I ever consider wrestling a, I'm sorry? A rock. Would, Screw it, you, want to clear that up for yeah, me? Yeah. Would you ever consider wrestling a rock? 
not Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> not the country, an inanimate rock. An inanimate rock. An inanimate rock. Um, I I gotta go with no. Unfortunately, I'm I I don't I don't think I'm gonna be wrestling a rock, guys. At least anytime soon. I'd be more I'd be more likely to wrestle a broom or. Uh, or one of those inflatable dolls, or a child. Basically, anything that Kenny Omega's done is something I'm interested in doing. But like an actual rock, not so much, guys. Well, uh, just for context, there's a wrestler named Psycho Mike that wrestled an actual rock for over 15 minutes in a okay. Man match. An Iron Man match that lasted for two weeks. Um... No, I think I'm good. I think I'm good on that. <laughs> I think I'm good. <laughs> All right. Um, on a more serious note, where do you see yourself in five years? Seriously, in five years, I see myself wrestling for a major company on television. Uh, I have no qualms. Uh, I have no qualms saying that I don't have a favorite. I've worked with WWE in a broadcasting and uh, production sense. I've worked for AEW in an AEW dark sense. And my ultimate goal from day one of this has been to wrestle for a contract. So I want wrestling to be my living to where I don't have to have another job. And I want to wrestle on a television broadcast. That's the goal. So in five years, I, without a doubt in my mind, at the age of 32, will be wrestling on a television contract for one of the three major companies in the world. The three being WWE, AEW, and New Japan? You got it. Okay. Yeah. And that's not to say Impact is not as well, but imp- most Impact wrestlers also do indies, and that's just not something that in five years from now that, I, that I'm trying to do. Oh, my man, you guys brought it up at the top of the show. It's Jared Diaz versus JT Dunn from Chaotic Wrestling. You can catch it on my YouTube channel, at the Jared Diaz Show. Uh, I, I, believe it's on, I believe it's on YouTube elsewhere as well. I'm not entirely sure about that. It might be on JT Dunn's channel, but it's definitely on mine. So Jared Diaz versus JT Dunn would be the match I would send anybody if you want to find out exactly who I am. And uh, you don't have to uh, look for it. Um, I will grab that match from YouTube and uh, put the link to it in the description of the VOP logo on YouTube. Uh, for anybody that hasn't seen it, uh, wants to re-see it uh, after this interview. Fantastic. And since we are nearing the conclusion of this interview, we are wrestling with the eight questions of food. Oh boy. Alright. This is our speed round of bonus round. The round where we see who you really are. Are you ready? I am ready, guys. Excluding yourself, greatest wrestler of all time. Shawn Michaels. Worst wrestler. And you can't say yourself. James Ellsworth. Your main event in WrestleMania for the World Championship. Who is your opponent? Richard King. If you could come out to anyone's entrance music, past or present, who would it be? James, again, you're going in and oh. out. 
if you could come out. I believe, I believe the question was if I could come out to anybody else's entrance music that isn't mine. Yes. Yes. Uh, Undisputed Eris. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I know what you're watching right now. <laughs> what I will be watching later. Finish hmm. the sentence. Kayfabe is unnecessary. <laughs> I may be wrong. I may be wrong about that. I just think we need. I think we need to uh, peel the curtain back just a little bit more. We also would have accepted is quite good on toast. <laughs> Squash, vegetable or fruit? Squash um, is a two-minute math, guys. <laughs> the, I, I think it's. I think it's a vegetable. I think it's a vegetable. It's a fruit. All right. Well, I'm. I'm not a botanist. I don't know about plants and fruits, man. What do you want from me? It's a tomato logic. Okay. Well, then I guess it's a fruit. Oh, New Japan wrestler Tai Chi. His ring goes get smaller every year, revealing more himself to the world. My question. What is the appropriate trunks to budget ratio for ring deal? Uh, well, for me, I like to believe that the more naked you are, the more fun you're having. So <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I wear bikers, but every time I order a new pair of bikers, I remind them, hey, make it the Dolph Ziggler cut. Show the V on the abs and take it just a little too high to where the, butt, my, the back of my butt sticks out just a little bit. Now, if you're Finn Balor, your ass is out. So, you know, either way, cheese their own, I say. Okay. And the last question, the main event, the thing everybody wants to know. Have you ever had a conversation with a stranger in a supermarket about Darby Allen? Have you ever had a conversation in the supermarket about Darby Allen? With a stranger, yes. With a stranger? Mm-hmm. Um, no. I, I can't say I have. No shade, nay, no shade on Darby. I like Darby. I met him at Evolve uh, at AEW a number of times, but I, I've never spoken about AEW superstar Darby Allen at a supermarket with a stranger. Can't say I have. And that was the correct answer. Why? Why is that? Why is that a question? If I if I if I could be so bold to ask, um, you know, long story short, um, when AEW first started, um, my other co-host Kalika Yashi was having an argument with some AEW fans, um, and he said, uh, if I go into a supermarket, nobody will know who Bobby Allen is. Okay, but to be fair, if I go into a supermarket and I talk about Omos or Braun Strowman, no, most people won't know who that is either. And they're enormous. Um, yeah, but I've had conversations about Triple H and John Cena in the supermarket. Oh, sure, but would you would you argue that Darby Allen should be on a conversational level of a John Cena? Guy who's been in movies? Also, why are you talking to strangers in the supermarket? Mind your business. Don't don't talk to people in the supermarket. Don't do that. I mean, if don't be that guy. Um, so, to conclude that story, um, I, uh, we afterwards decided to actually film ourselves going into supermarkets markets and asking random strangers, do you know who Darby Allen is? Um, nobody did. Um, and then when we started doing interviews, obviously it became a question. 
Okay, valid. I think that's pretty funny. I think that's a funny bit. Um, but listen, man, don't shade on Darby Allen. Dude is I. Dude's cool. You know. We've had guests in the past that have had conversations about Darby Allen in a supermarket. It is. It is becoming. Why are people talking to strangers in supermarkets? Look, I, James, listen. I'm born and raised in the Bronx. Where I come from, you don't talk to strangers in the supermarket. You mind your business. You tell a deli guy what you want. You pay for it and you leave. So I don't know. Listen, I, I don't know who you're talking to these days, but they got to figure it out. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And once again, what can we find all things you can find Jared Diaz on TikTok at Jared Diaz. You can find me primarily on Instagram at the Jared Diaz and on Twitter at the Jared Diaz. You can also catch me in Vegas the 25th to the 28th at FSW's Full Tilt 2. And um, merchandise, obviously. Merchandise at Fully Gimmicked. Or just hit me up on social and talk to me about my newest line of shirts and 8 by 10s uh, and will we find the code for the briefcase in your social media as well? The code for the briefcase is a secret. Oh. You gotta guess the brief. You gotta guess the code to see what's inside. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, but that's a combination I have in my luggage. <laughs> well, then you shouldn't be telling people that. Of course, uh, you don't have to type it into your Google machine. All of uh, Jared's um, social media links will be in the description of the video below or on YouTube. Taskbox, simply click the link and you will appear on whatever device you are on. Um, you have no excuse. Buy a damn shirt. No excuse. No excuse at all. Buy me a shirt. Buy a shirt from me, too. Buy me a shirt and then buy one of my shirts. Oh, of course, thank you for listening. If you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, comment on the podcast. Of course, this is sponsored by World Energy and World Coffee. Join us tomorrow as we interview Rose. And follow us at Wrestling with Me on Twitter and Instagram for information on who we're interviewing, when we're interviewing, and links to those interviews, and so much more. You can follow me. As always, you can find me under your bed on Twitter at ScooterDust. Keep an eye on the social medias for any updates on the hiatus of the remix. And of course, revel in all my Twitch antics along with Rico Constantino Jr. and the rest of the Smoking Dragons clan, twitch.tv backslash Smoking Dragons. Now, Jared, when I say wrestling, what you say entertainment, okay? No problem. For our race, Dr. I'm James J, and this has been Wrestling with... Entertainment! Hey, folks, this is the Colossal Mike Law, and you are listening to Wrestling With Entertainment. Enjoy the show. Support these guys. We appreciate it very much. We'll see you at ringside.